Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Real View Podcast. Tim Harris is here, a top agent in the real estate industry, one of the leaders in our industry, and now a very sought after business coach. Him and his wife do an amazing job in coaching and leading other realtors all over the world. So Tim, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I was actually thrilled to see somebody from our old stomping grounds in central Ohio, reach out to us because Julie and I actually got our start, not just in real estate, but in life in Columbus, Ohio. We, I was born at Ohio State University Hospital and Julie and I met at Worthington High School and we sold real estate for almost 10 years in Columbus back in the 90s. So yeah, it's like we're coming home again. No, that is that is so cool. And Tim and I were chatting before um, we started recording this. And he says, did you know I'm from Ohio? And he's like, yeah, I'm from Columbus. I said, no way. I am sitting in Columbus, Ohio at the Ohio Realtors headquarters right now as we speak. What a coincidence. I did not know that. But even more of a great reason to have you here as our special guest today. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, I would love to ask our signature question, which we ask all of the guests who join us on the Real View podcast, which is the name of the podcast, The Real View. So we want to know what is the best view that you have ever seen? Hmm. You know, you prepared me for that, but I forgot to prepare for the answer. You did tell me you would ask. <laughs> so we just got done. We took 60 days and we drove all around the country and we went to start in Dallas we drove up, you know, to through Montana, whatever. We drove all the way out to Cal, you know, Oregon and Washington State, and drove all the way back down, and drove all the way through the Midwest, and then actually through Columbus and back down, and ended up in Atlanta. So we put almost ten thousand miles on this poor car in uh, sixty days. So we saw a lot of great views. I will say probably if you're talking, I, I mean, there's so many different ways you can go at the word view, but I'll say the greatest view. I'll tell you a place that's really magical for Julie, I, and our daughter. Zoe is a place called Point Lobos, and this is a location, so I'm going with the literal view uh, definition. And it's in uh, Central California. It's in the Big Sur area. And I'll give the listeners a little travel tip. If you drive, when you drive in the main gate, there's several parking lots you can park in, but you've got to drive all the way to the back of Point Lobos. And there's a, obviously a parking lot, but if you go on the, the uh, walk through the, it's not even really a forest. It's something even more magical than that. You'll see and hear some of those incredible things, especially if you're from the Midwest like we are. I mean, you can hear the, the seals in the background. You can hear all these other things going on. It's just amazing. And there's always this sort of mystical, you know, mist that's everywhere and this just different smells, things that are just really incredible. So I would say as far as views go, there's been, you know, that's something pretty special. That's really cool. I know sometimes when you're out on the West Coast, it's hard to uh, even imagine that you're still in the United States with how beautiful it is out there. And you're right, how different of a change of scenery it is from our kind of hilly, farmy landscape that we are so familiar with uh, in the Midwest and specifically in Ohio. So very cool. Love that. Thank you for answering that. And I would love, I wish we had more time. I would love to hear more about this cross country uh, road trip. This is something my friends and I have also been thinking about uh, doing is renting an RV and getting across 
country and doing something very similar. So also very cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. And again, thanks for uh, joining me. And we're going to get started uh, on today's episode because we have so much uh, good stuff to cover today. You are going to talk to us today about how brokers become great leaders and some of the qualities of leadership that those leaders embody and, and how we develop them. And I know one of the big things that you mentioned in this article, I should also mention found this article on realtor.com is walking the walk, talking the talk, leading by example, which I think is so important, but I'm sure you can share with us a little bit more about about that and go into detail a little bit more. So why don't you take us away? Well, I've got the points in front of me that we wrote for you guys, but I'll tell you the thing that, that comes to my mind when you're really saying leadership, what you're really talking about is motivation. And you're talking about how do you motivate people to do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. And in real estate, there's a lot of that. In real estate, to be successful long term, you're going to have to really master the art and science of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And that's going to include you know, proactive lead generation. It's going to include doing the type of work sometimes you choose not to do. And you're going to have to do it for a long period of time. So one of the things that uh, when we uh, coach and train brokers and team leaders and things of that ilk, it's definitely... If you're not motivating people, you're not going to be a leader because they're not going to be motivated to follow you. And so then the question is, how do you get motivated? And there's lots of, you know, books and genres and all kinds of things that people talk about, you know, essentially to keep themselves motivated so they are in turn motivational. But so we won't even talk about that because there's a lot of different ways to do it. We just talked about this trip that, you know, we that Julie and I and our family did. Those types of things, big goals, you know, all of those different sorts of normal go-tos for how to be motivated. But I guess really the most important thing is, is if you're not motivated yourself, if you're not truly excited about your goals and the goals you have for your business, then they're going to sense that. And no matter how much you try to lead them, they're not going to want to follow you because you're not you're not motivating them to follow you. And that's really where it, what it comes down to is that you have to be setting like so Julie and I have been coaching agents since 1990 something or another late 90s. And we've had some of our original clients that are still with us. And I promise you, there's no way they haven't heard <laughs> us say the same thing. I mean, how many different things can we possibly coach them on, right? You know, so they're hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. Some of them for, you know, 15, almost 20 years. And you got to ask, well, what is it that, why is it that they stay coaching clients? And why is it that they come back? Some of them leave and come back. And so the question is, and I've asked that question before, and I've had people tell us, like, there's, you know, Rob Johnson, who he started with Julie and I probably six or seven years ago, and he is now the number one agent in Greenwich, Connecticut. And that was his original goal. He had other goals too, but he, you know, that was in Greenwich, Connecticut is just one of this really uh, upper end market that's hard to get into that market. There's people that have been selling real estate there, generational agents, you know, their mom sold, their grandma sold kind of thing. And it's not an easy place to get a, you know, any kind of traction, let alone become the most dominant agent. And so you know, Rob told me, he said, at this point, the reason that you and Julie and your company and your coaches are still essentially my coach isn't necessarily because you're helping me get that much better at my skills. It's because I'm associating with you guys because you guys are motivating and you're doing things with your life. And Brandon Jackson, you know, he's another example. He said the same thing to me in North Carolina and just all these different. But that's really the essence of it. If you're not keeping yourself uh overtly, you know, you have to show your agents and show the world that you're not somebody who's complacent. And if you can do that consistently by not just your words, but by what you actually do, your physicality, your emotional state, your your financial state, it 
if people want somebody to follow that's going to be a leader for them on in all categories, right? And there's family, spiritual, educational, physical, and uh, learning or mental, right? Those are the normal categories that someone sets goals for. Well, I might not necessarily be looking for someone who's going to be a leader for me in the essence of like, say, for example, I could, I don't care necessarily about maybe four of those categories, but I'm looking, I want to, you know, align with that particular leader because he's really got his act together and maybe for physical stuff and, and, and maybe for, you know, financial stuff. And I, I can learn from them. I can see they're motivated in that way. And that motivates me. So that's, it's contagious, basically. I mean, maybe that's not an apt term given the pandemic, but it, it, but motivation really is contagious and you, you get it. But there's, there's also different kinds of motivation. There's the kind of motivation that's like a real strong hit of coffee that comes and goes. People go to motivational seminars and they, uh, you know, they feel great for like a day or two and then it just fades. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is somebody who is clearly consistently working on improving themselves and improving the business. And the offshoot is they are going to improve the lives of the people that choose to associate with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it almost has to be who you are. It's not just to show up at work and act like this for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day. It's you have to embody it and live it every day and really have it become part of who you are. Yeah, definitely. And people can tell. So it's so funny when you go like on Instagram or something, you know, there's all all these people that they just post these things about and they're motivational quotes, right? They'll post a picture of an actor or something you know, Will Smith and something, and then there'll be a, something in quotes that Will Smith probably didn't say. And, but, the, but the moral of the story is, is that that's their interpretation of motivation. But if you look at, for example, we'll stay on Instagram. If you look at like, um, you know, the rock, right. He's getting up at 4am. He's working out, he's actually doing something. And then, so people are going to be more attracted to people that are actually not talking about it, but actually doing it. And that, and that's really hard for some people, right? Cause like, yeah. I mean, different people in different parts, it diff- when, when you're a certain age, it's easier to be motivated. And so you're always going to have to be resetting the yardstick for what excites you. Yep. And always have to challenge yourself and, and kind of, you know, reinvent yourself as time goes on. You're right, because sometimes we do get a little complacent and we do get set in a certain mode or way of doing things. And you're like, this just isn't doing it for me anymore. Well, there's an old saying, you know, it's when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But actually, the older saying is when the going gets tough, the smart leave. And Mm -hmm. I heard the first time I heard that I was offended. You know, (laughs) you don't quit when something gets hard. No, sometimes you do. Sometimes things get hard because they don't work anymore. And from a broker's perspective, you see that all the time. You see brokers that are trying to make things work that sort of maybe worked like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I can give you an example buying leads, right? So there's a lot of agents who and brokerages businesses are all predicated on buying leads. And maybe these brokers have only been in the business since, say, 2007 or 2008, when it was normalized to buy leads. Well, back then, when Zillow really started doing it at scale, you know, and doing it efficiently, that was a great idea. But now what's happened is over time, it's become oversaturated. Everybody, there's zillions of companies selling leads. But if you started your brokerage back then and you're building your foundation of your business understanding of how to build a brokerage is to buy leads... And if all of a sudden the buying leads thing doesn't work, what most brokers do is they don't take a step back and say, well, maybe uh, it's the buying leads that doesn't work. Instead, what they do is they double down and buying more leads and buying more leads and buying more leads. Uh, and then, you know, unfortunately, there's a, the market turns this way or that. And then there's, they're, caught, um, they're caught out. And financially, a lot of them will struggle needlessly. So a lot of this stuff, as far as like, to your point, as far as updating your knowledge, it's, if you want to, that's a great point, is to drill down on 
making a list of the things that don't work or making a list of all the things you think work and then really checking yourself and being honest with yourself whether those things work. Like one of the things Julie and I co coach our agents, our brokers, is if you cannot uh, draw a direct line between the effort and the result, it's probably not worth doing. And most of the things that agents and brokers spend their time on, there is no, it, it's designed not to have a direct line. Like if you make, for example, you know, when Julie and I were selling real estate in Columbus, Ohio, we were in our early 20s. In our first year, we sold over 100 houses. We sold 103 houses. It was some, wow. it was a National Association of Realtors record. I don't think it's been, and we did it. How did we do it? One house at a time, one client at a time. And, and we just did it con continuously. Well, that still works. But if you never learned how to do that work of actually talking with the unrepresented owners, the for sale by owners, or proactively lead generating, if you haven't actually taken the time to learn those skills, you're going to have a problem. You know, and it's going to, and that's going to affect your motivation and it's going to affect your ability to lead because then someone's going to come into your brokerage and they're going to see that you're struggling with your business model. And then subconsciously, they're going to say, well, I don't necessarily want to be associated with that. I want to go to something that's actually working. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, it goes back to that old saying, you know, like we do it this way because it's always been done this way and, and getting away from that and realizing that, you know, just because we've always done something this way doesn't mean it's still relevant or still effective for the business and the world in the way that it is today. That's my point. Thank you. you made it more yeah. concisely than me. That's the get. That's no. that's when the that's when the going gets tough. The smart leave, and you were smart for saying that. And that so that's the hard part is by starting with the idea that okay, this worked, but it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work at the same level. Or most importantly, can I draw a direct line between this effort and this result? And so much of what agents and brokers are spending their time at, which is killing their motivation and killing their ability to lead, is they wasted so much time doing things where there is not a direct relationship, like. Anytime you're using words like I'm building or I'm working or I'm tweaking or I'm modifying or I'm creating, that's not effort and results. There's, mm -hmm. you know, why did you get in the business in the first place? And those types of, you know, introspecting type questions that people need to, to ask themselves as they struggle with. Good time of year to do it, though. That's for sure. Definitely. No, absolutely. I love that. That's that's really great. And I know another thing that you mentioned too is the importance, you know, of these brokers to keep being amazing salespeople and how, you know, we can get so caught up in the day-to-day -day life of managing the brokerage and, you know, managing a team, but it's still important to maintain that role as a salesperson. Tell us about that. Well, being a broker is hard. And when Julie and I were in the business full-time in the 90s, being a broker was hard then too. It's just gotten worse. There's an old saying, and, and it's kind of snarky, but uh, you can edit it out if you don't like it. Being a broker just makes you broker, you know? And, and so the, the reason, yeah, that's the reason most brokers still have to sell because they have to sell to support the cash flow of the business. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not criticizing, you know, go to a great dentist office. He's going to, you know, have other dentists working for him. It's all, it's fine. It's not a criticism. It's just a fact. But it used to be that you'd start a brokerage and you could get out of selling. It doesn't really work that way anymore. But to that end, if you're not somebody who's leading from the front, if you're not somebody who's in the marketplace, at least interacting with what's actually happening in the market dynamics, how are you going to actually motivate if people don't? It's sort of like um, in my business, in Juliana's business, um, it's kind of funny. There's people that call themselves real estate coaches that never sold co uh, real estate before. It just doesn't make sense. And again, yeah. going, going back to motivating and leading, if you're going to teach me how to sell real estate, I mean, and you haven't sold real estate before, there's a disconnect there. Or if I'm going to join your brokerage, but you haven't sold, you're not essentially, you're not, you've lost touch with what's going on in the marketplace or what's working to generate business. That's kind of a conflict too. And these all go back to, you know, your motivation question ultimately. 
Right. No, yeah, absolutely. And it also kind of like seeing your agents, seeing that you are still selling and still out there and still, you know, are passionate about the industry that rubs off on them too. So there again, it kind of is just that ongoing cycle of you doing something really great and then it motivating your agents and them seeing it firsthand. It kind of all just goes together. It does. It, it really does. It's, it's like, if you see your broker that's taking listings and you see your and, and your broker is being consistent taking listings, that broker is going to set the tone for that business and that brokerage of success. And that is how you lead. You lead from the front. You don't lead from the back and calling out orders. And, you know, you could, I suppose, you have your depending on how you have your brokerage set up. But generally speaking, and it goes with team leads, too. I mean, brokerages and teams are kind of a merged concept, really. But if you look at great team leaders, too, a lot of them. Do, are still actively participating in their businesses. You know, it is kind of an interesting question. Like sometimes because the nature of the brokerage model has become that average brokerage makes less than 3% margins, basically. So most brokers aren't, aren't making really any money at all. And that number is actually less than 2% now from the different things I've read. Teams aren't that much mm-hmm. better. But you got to ask yourself sometimes, like as a broker, really stay in contact with why you originally got into the business. Because you got into the business because you like selling real estate. You got in the business probably because you like helping other people develop their uh, sk- sales skills and their skill set so they too can be successful in real estate. And then at the same time, you know, you're being pulled in a million different directions. That's the reason it goes back to staying motivated yourself. And Julie and I actually did our podcast this morning on a very similar topic. It's like, how do you, it was how to avoid burnout in essence. Mm, one, yeah, of the things, yeah. one of the things that we suggest is that you intentionally expose yourself to different thoughts and different types of books and podcasts, don't allow your brain to get in such a repeating cycle of the same thoughts every single day. There's a a statistic, I don't remember the numbers on top of my head, but something like 98% of all the thoughts that you have today are the same ones you had yesterday, the same ones you had yesterday. So so there's not a lot of room in your brain for new thoughts. So you're going to have to, and again, this, again, leadership is motivation. So when you go back to why am I not leading effectively? It's probably because you're not motivated. It's probably because you need to take a step back from media. You need to take a step back and, and think, well, okay, what is working? What isn't working? Because another thing that will kill your motivation, going back to lead generation, is if this thing that worked maybe 10 years ago isn't working anymore, for you to say that's not working sometimes feels like a personal failure. And it's not. At the time when you started doing that, whatever that thing is, and it worked great, you were really smart. And now it doesn't work as great. So you can be equally as smart and, and change direction and do something else. And, you know, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, that's that's so true. And you're right, especially I feel like even more so it might be a little enhanced now with going through the pandemic. And I wonder, you know, if it's almost, you know, higher than it's ever been with just getting into a rut and feeling like, you know, it's the same thing over and over again and having to pull yourself out of that. But that's some great tips, you know, try to find those podcasts, try to find those new ideas, try to find other industry leaders, you know, to connect yourself with to say, you know, what's going on today? What's happening in your world? How can I learn from you? today and learn something that I might not have known yesterday. That's that's really great advice. Well, even outside of the industry yeah. too, even outside of real estate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's right. Yeah. There's so many cool <laughs> podcasts out there that it, and it's free information. But I, I will say along lines of motivation is I would avoid all major forms of media for sure. That's just, that's for, if you're feeling like you need to reset, load new software, the first thing you should do is completely purge yourself of any need of any news because the news anymore no matter what side of the argument you're on you shouldn't be on either side but the reality of it is it's this 
it's it's propaganda. It's going to really yeah. adversely affect. And like the you know the reports that are coming out about sixty or about a Facebook from sixty minutes, all these other things. You know, all that yeah. st- all that stuff is designed to be salacious and nasty and divisive. It's not designed to be motivational. It's going to cause you to be a great leader. So if you're not getting, if you're not feeling it like you used to or like you think you should, absolutely positively stop inputting the stuff that's making you feel like the world is smaller against you. And that's going to be starting with the media, all forms of media, minus uh, podcasts, because podcasts, you can, you know, some of them are incredibly powerful. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, Visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Yeah, yeah, definitely find some time to take those media breaks, news breaks, social media breaks, whatever, whatever you can do to make sure you are recharged and refreshed and presenting the best version of yourself every day. Absolutely. So now I would love to talk about how can we kind of talk about some of the skills and traits and things like that, that our brokers can use to create a successful business, but how can they create that environment where agents can thrive? What does that look like? What are some of the ways that they can do that and how can they do that? Well, so this is fourth quarter of 2021. So don't stop listening if it happens to be a different time of year, a different year. Still good content, hopefully. So fourth quarter of 2021 is not uh, the end of the year. It's the start of your new year. So that's the first that's the first uh, assumption. So if you're listening now, you know, October, November, your 2022 has already started and you need to be having your agents take that same mental approach because every top producing agent knows and every business owner knows that's how life actually a business. If you want to be successful, that's how it works. You got to start the quarter before. So what I would be doing if I were a broker and what we are doing for our brokers and our team leaders is everybody's sitting down and they're filling out their 2022 business plan. And we call ours the real estate treasure map. And I can tell them how they can get it for free. If you want me to, it's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. They text the word Harris to 47372. That's it. Just text the word H-A-R-R-I-S to 47372, and we text them back a link and they can download it. It's easier, quicker than email. I get sick of people saying they didn't get the email because it went to bulk, you know? Yeah. So there it is. So but so that's the first thing. And the business plan, this isn't just a one-pager. This is It's like 71 pages, and it goes through your business and personal life, and it's fill in the blank. It's a complete financial conversation that you're supposed to have ideally with your your wife, your husband, your partner, your with your kids even, where you're going through all of this and you're going through every single page and thinking about what's our present financial reality? Where is it we want to be? Where is it we want to go? So just back to Julie and I driving around the country, had we not had GPS, we'd still be lost in Iowa someplace. And, and so this is something, again, this is motivation. This is leadership. So if you're going to, if you want to lead you, and you want to, they want to know that you're invested in them. And the best way to do that is give them, a, you know, the real estate treasure map or any business plan that you believe in. But most business plans are very weak. They don't force you to really have the tough questions with yourself about your real dreams and your goals and your ambitions and things like that. This does that. 
it takes you through the whole process. And then when you sit down with your agent and you, you show them, maybe you could do it, your whole office doesn't really matter. Everyone gets a copy of the real estate treasure map or just have them basically download it and print it themselves. And then they start filling it out. You give them a week to fill it out. And you'll, it's fascinating. If you have 10 people in your brokerage or 100 people or 1,000 people, you're going to see, unfortunately, only 10% are going to take it seriously. So then the question becomes, what do you do with the others? You still love them, you care for them, but you really do, as a leader, you don't want to be allowing the people that didn't take the opportunity to really create their own business plan as seriously, not seriously isn't necessarily the right word, but kind of is, as the people that are actually invested in being on this journey with you. Because the, the, the people that want great leadership are going to be the ones that are uh, going to be completing that treasure map. And then you can follow through with them. You can you know check in with them, maybe weekly, maybe monthly. There's all different ways to do it. Julie and I are huge fans of, I mean, text. It works great. And, and then they check themselves monthly and quarterly against their treasure map to see how they're doing, see how they're progressing. So, for example, there's a um, formula in the treasure map. And this is like, why is real estate so complicated? It's a question that I've never gotten an answer to. Because real estate is the simplest, most elegant business ever. It's not difficult. And here's what it comes down to. If you have to earn, say, I'll just make up a number, $10,000 a month to pay your personal bills, and you have to pay $5,000 to pay your business bills, you have to earn roughly, you know, with taxes, let's say you have to earn about $200,000 a year. Well, in Columbus, Ohio, the average sale price right now, I think it's like three hundred fifty grand. You know better than me, right? Probably right around that, yeah. Okay, so we're we're not going to state commission rates or do anything funky, but let's say your average commission is ten thousand. Let's make it let's make it ten thousand, just so I can do the math in my head, right? So if you have to earn two hundred thousand dollars a year, you effectively have to sell twenty listings a year. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so how many listings do you need at all times in Columbus, Ohio, in order to basically have, in essence? roughly what would it be it's you know three not even three it's really two less than two like a house a house and a half a month or two houses a month how many listings would you need active at all times and the number is very simple in columbus if you had probably five listings at all times you'd be guaranteed to have at least two of those in contract at all times so if you had five listings you would pretty much be guaranteed to be making twenty thousand dollars a month which exceeds your uh, financial requirements by quite a bit. That's what the financial, that's what the real estate treasure map is about. And the formula I just told you is part of the treasure map. It's called the real estate magic number. So once you conceptually get that, then the next question should be is how do you get to five listings? And then you're, how do you build the five listings, right? And then the next question is, is every month when two of those sell, your whole mission in life is to replace those two listings. So you have a very, you have clarity of purpose like you've never had before. Number is there a direct result between my effort and my result? And if there's not a direct result, if it's, you know, just obscured by a whole bunch of little, you know, Mickey Mouse, then don't do it. I just gave you a very simple formula. If you had five listings at all times, in Columbus, probably truthfully, almost all five of them would sell. <laughs> but let's just say on average, three of them or two or three of them would sell. You've just basically paid yourself two hundred forty to $360,000 a year based on just having five listings at all times. So if you understand that intellectually, which is you have to because it's really simple, why would you waste time doing all these other things? Again, that goes to leadership and that goes to motivation. You explain this to an agent. It took me about, what, 60 seconds, maybe 90. Yeah, yeah. And so here's a treasure map. Here's your real estate magic number. Now let's talk about how to get you to your real estate magic number of listings. And then let's make sure we're working on a schedule, uh, a business lifestyle to make it so that you are replacing those as they sell. That's financial freedom. Now, if you think about all the other, like we had this conversation actually when we were in Iowa with a group of EXP agents in Des Moines. So I said basically the same thing. And then I said, so what would you stop doing if that was your mission? 
Oh, no, actually, I said, what would you still be doing that you're doing now in hopes of getting business if you knew your mission was just to do what I just said? And they just started like they all didn't want to say it at first, but then they started rattling off all the things that they already knew <laughs> they're wasting their time doing. But don't you think that's interesting? No, it is. And it's you're, it's just getting out of our own head and taking the time to sit back and really analyze what we do every day. And it's so easy to just stay when we're so busy and there's so much going on and you're managing a team of, you know, a couple people. It's, it's hard to really sit back and think, you know, why am I doing things the way that I'm doing? And what is the point of this? But I think it's just a matter of taking that time to really sit back and do that and making that a priority, despite the million other things that are going on that day. Well, so what about humans makes us want things to be complicated? Why is it that people, it's almost something innate to all of us. The older you get, yeah. right, it, it becomes less or so, by the way. But it's like when you're young, you can't, uh, whatever your definition of young or old is, right? I'm 51. But when you get to a certain age, you realize that there's an elegance and simplicity. But when you're younger, there's psychology that's associated with thinking things that have to, like, I just gave you something very simple, five listings at all times, you'll make 240, 30, 360,000 a year. I don't know how many people you have listening, I'm sure millions, right? And how many of them are in their minds trying to already make it more complicated than it is? What CRM will I yeah. use, right? What's my brand going to look like? How many websites do I need, right? What's, what's my yeah. da, 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 right? They're all making it too confusing and too complicated. And that's not what this business is about. You know, we're all blessed to have real estate licenses and be in this industry, especially now, and to make it so complicated is really losing the greatest opportunity that this industry offers. Well, it almost goes back to, you know, what you said in the beginning, how you and Julie uh, were so successful in your years in Columbus, which is you just do it one at a time. You know, like I love how you said, you know, you, that it just boils down to that simple mindset, that simple way of thinking one listing at a time. <laughs> Well, one listing at a time, but building, like when Julie and I sold real estate, we needed 22 listings at all times. The average sale price was less than half of what it is now, right, in Columbus. Yeah. But we had to sell, you know, we had to have that many listings because we knew, and not everything was selling then, we knew a certain amount wouldn't sell. And, you know, but we formulatically figured out what our magic number uh, was. And everyone else should be using this time of year to get really clear on their mission, get really clear on uh, why they got into the industry, like you said. And it's not that complicated. I mean, you got an industry to probably have financial freedom, to have independence, to have some control of your schedule, to be able to build a business that was, you know, real estate's an amazing thing because if you wrap your mind around this, the elegant simplicity of it or how it can be, you really can make, if you look at the biggest, most successful agents in the country, what I just said, and by successful, I mean the ones that are making the most net profit, not necessarily the big names that are selling the most houses that have the smallest margins. And that's a business model too. But if you look at the ones that are consistently making the most net profit, they're basically doing exactly what I just said. And you maybe not even heard of them because they don't even care if they're famous. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I can tell you a funny story. You might appreciate this. Yeah, go for it. All right. So one of the things in Julie and I's book, Harris Rules, it's at Barnes & Noble. And yes, it was at Barnes & Noble in Easton. We went there and saw it when we were in Columbus. That's so funny. So we just wrapped up our annual convention. I think I was telling you about this before we started recording. And shout out to everyone who attended uh, that convention, both virtually uh, and in person. It was great to see everybody either online or in the flesh. But we were just at Easton. So very familiar. Our listeners should, should be very familiar with the Easton location and maybe even that Barnes & Noble's. Yep. So the question, and th so this is in our book, and I was on a clubhouse in, earlier this year and talking about you have to choose whether you're going to be rich or famous. You can't choose both. If you had to choose between being rich or famous, you want to do this with me? It's okay if you don't. 
No, let's do it. No, please do. <laughs> please ask. Well, so your answer, Allison, will change the older you get, but you seem to be wiser than uh, most. So I'll ask you this question. So I won't be surprised if you answer the question in the opposite way that most people with real estate licenses do. And when they're in their 20s, you're in your 20s, right? I'm guessing. I just turned 30 two, two three months ago. <laughs> yeah. You're in your very late 20s. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you have to choose right now to between being rich and fam- rich or famous, you can't have both. Rich, where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. You have no more financial thoughts or famous. Everybody and their brother knows who you are, but you're, you don't have financial security. Which would you choose, rich or famous? I choose rich. And I think you could get that just from our short amount of time speaking. But it's funny because I host this podcast and you wouldn't guess this probably if you met me, but I absolutely like am the most shy person. And I'm like, anytime attention is on me, I'm like, no, I don't want it. So the thought of being famous absolutely petrifies me. (laughs) Well, okay. So when you ask most people, I was talking about this very thing on Clubhouse and there was a guy that raised his hand. I unmuted him. And he's, he was, a, uh, you could tell by his voice, I'm guessing he was in maybe his 70s. And he also referenced selling real estate in the 80s. So, you know, we can just assume. And he told me, he said, when I was in my 20s, I chose to be famous. When I was in my 30s, I chose to be famous. And then we stopped and we asked him, well, what does that mean? I spent my money on these things to make myself more recognizable, to be a brand name. So, so people would see my moving trucks or my billboards. So they would recognize me. That need for adulation from strangers was very appealing to him. And a lot of people, basically, that's what's uh, plaguing most people's financial security now, especially in this industry, is they spend their money to be famous. They don't, yeah. they, and they think that the money will follow the fame and after you've built your big brand. And that isn't the way real life works. So then he starts saying, well, after, you know, then I was in my 40s. I started to have my mindset about it change. And I started realizing I wish when I was in my 30s and my 20s, I'd been focusing on building more financial security. And then he stopped in his 50s, right? He didn't go further than that. But then he started, then he said, when I was in my 50s, and then he just started to laugh. And, and now he said, now I'm hearing you say this. And I said, he said, I wish someone would have said that to me back when I was in my 20s. So again, this, we're talking about motivation. We're talking about leadership. And so if I'm talking to somebody who's like you, I'm going to, and you, you know, give me a very honest answer. And I appreciate that. But that's an important question. So then you follow up with a question like, okay, so what are you willing to do to be rich? Mm-hmm. Right. Or I always like the opposite questions. What are you not willing to do to be rich in real estate? Like, what will you not do? And then here's the funny answer that you always hear is they're going to rattle off. Okay. You want to play it? You want to keep playing? Sure. Do you have a real estate license? No. And you know, everyone keeps saying you need to get your real estate license, but no, I don't. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day, but for now, just, just support. Yeah. You get your real estate license and you start selling real estate. What will you absolutely positively never do to generate, to basically build your business to generate leads? What you, it does not matter. You'll never do it. Oh, I don't know. What would I not do? I don't know. That's a good, I don't know. Give me an example. Yeah. You get your license. Everyone will basically ruin your potential telling you all the things that, you know. So here's what people will do. Agents will rattle off the things that they won't do. And then I ask them then the you know, other way, what will you do? And then I'll say, which of those things are going to lead directly to a paycheck? And every single time, virtually, right, they're going to always say the things that lead, without knowing it, they're going to rattle off. Okay, will you go and talk to, okay, Allison, will you go and talk to her for sale by owner? 
No, let's just pretend. No, I don't want to do that. Not. Okay, that, and that's what the answer is. And all of them say that, right? So if you're in front of a group of agents and you ask about that, this very question, and and then I'll pose it a different way, and this is kind of more fun, right? So we're going, Allison, we're going to have a competition, and in the next thirty days, you have to take five listings, and when you take five listings, there's some huge, your you, you, everything in your whatever, hundred thousand dollars, your house is paid off. If you don't have a house, you got a house. If you, you know, new car, everything. This incredible prize at the end of October, let's say, and you have to take five listings. In order to take five listings, Allison, what are you going to stop doing so you can dedicate more time doing what you know it'll get you in front of a seller to take a listing? Not buyers, not a sale, listings. Yeah, no, I think it's it's some of the things that we talked about. Stop doing things just because this is always the way you've been doing them. You know, stop just working on things that don't have good results in your efforts to results, uh, direct correlation there. So there's two things right there. Am I on the right track? <laughs> would you be doing, would you be doing TikTok videos? Oh, see, I, I have different feelings on TikTok. So <laughs> I feel like maybe, maybe. Yeah. Is there a direct relationship? Will you actually, will that take doing, spending your time making a TikTok video? I mean, is there a directly direct give you a sale? Yeah. Maybe not. No. Yeah. No. You're doing it thinking that over time with this, you know, huge amount of social networking that you've done that over time, people are going to want to start, you know, calling you to do business with you. Right. Right. And, and you do get some business from that over time, for sure. But if your goal was to take five listings in the next 30 days and you get some huge payoff for having done it, aside from the commissions, the list of what you're not going to do is what most people, what most agents are being told to do to build their real estate mm -hmm. businesses. So then the question, and you already knew that, right? You know, and most and all, all agents do, you know, what will you stop doing? And it's all the things that do not lead directly to A to B, anything that's yeah. kind of obscured. So you're going to stop doing the worrying about your branding and your website. You're going to stop worrying about your da, 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 long list of things you're told are being because your goal is to take five listings in 30 days. So then the, the question you end up with is, well, then why aren't you doing it? You already know what you're supposed to do. And, and here's right. you want the payoff to all of this is they're not doing it because they're trying to avoid the feeling of rejection. Mm. That's why. Because if you go, Allison, and go knock on that for sale by owner's door, it's going to take potential rejection. You don't, you know, you're going to be all, all your head fills with all these threat vectors, right? Yeah. What if they say this? What if they say that? What if da, da 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 Whereas if you do your TikTok video, then there's no rejection. Not really, especially That's if true. you turn comments off. That's true. Yeah. So there's this all the, the industry is full of excuses not to do the real work of real estate and to do passive lead generation. And that's probably, I think, one of the greatest contributors to the reason that the uh, washout of the failure rate in the industry is higher than it's ever been before. I've heard different numbers, but it's staggering. You know, because of the pandemic, there's a whole bunch of, there's two things that have happened. More people are getting real estate licenses because they got their pre-licensing done and there's a baby boom that's going to happen <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. Those two yeah. things. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. you know, there's going to be more competition. that's always going to be flocking to the things that are going to be passive that don't require really any skill or, or rejection. So if you want to be successful in the business, you've got to be willing to do what other people aren't willing to do. And you got to be willing to do it at the highest level, even when you don't feel like it. Does this resonate at all? Yeah. Yeah. It's knocking on that for sale sign by owner. And, you know, like you said, really just t making it simple, not being complicated, getting out of our own head and, and doing things that are so basic and getting out, getting away from the distraction and everything else that is just complicating things. That's so totally. true. Totally. I mean, again, 30 days to take five listings. And I hope all your listeners are taking this 
sort of question and internalizing it to themselves. And then the secondary question is, what would you stop doing? In other words, what's taking your time and your energy? So when you're, you know, in your late 20s, the amount of the amount of directed energy you have every day is more than when you're in your late 30s, your late 40s, your late 50s. So if you suspected that, Allison, I'm here to tell you it's true. So some of it's some of it's physiological, but also some of it's by choice. Because hopefully as you get older, you start realizing why am I wasting my time doing things that are not going to re- lead directly to what my mission is, which is taking listing and getting a paycheck, you know, helping somebody, obviously, because if you're not helping people, you're not obviously going to have any success from at any of this. But that, yeah. go- that goes back down to, you know, again, you're in front of your brokerage of 10 or 100. 10% of the people are going to be willing to do the treasure map, fill out their business plan. 10% are then going to be willing to do the real work. So the 10% of the 10% are going to be re- willing to do the real work. And you as a leader, you got to be piling in on the people that are actually going to be you know, forward deployed with you doing the real work and don't allow the rest of them, you know, to essentially suck up all your energy because then you're not going to be leading the people that eventually, once you've essentially instilled your leadership qualities and skill sets in them, then their very production, their very success will then bring in more successful agents into your brokerage. Right now, you're being bogged down with agents that really haven't, they won't, they just won't. It's just the it's the law. I don't know why. Truthfully, it drives me crazy. I can't. I don't know why more people aren't just doing what you know. Everyone has the same opportunity, and yet so few people are willing to actually seize it, especially in real estate. But if you got a hundred people, find out who the ten are, and pile into them. Make those people in a, a special VIP mastermind, whatever. Really treat them exceptional. Then what you're going to happen is some of the other people are going to follow. But really, what's then going to happen is you're going to start attracting agents who are then seeing what you're doing at your brokerage and are going to be attracted to you to join your brokerage or your team because you're clearly leading leaders. And that's when actually you have that perfect genocide qua. Yep, absolutely. Well, Tim, this was so amazing. Great advice. I hope you all found this interesting, whether you're a broker or an agent. I mean, I think that there was great tips in there for agents too. you know, buy into what your leaders are telling you. If you're seeing these qualities in your leaders, absolutely buy into that. And they're there for you. They're there to help you. They want you to see you grow and succeed. So and brokers, I hope you all learned a lot about this. I hope you're going to take some time to evaluate your practice and the way you do things based off some of the stuff we talked about here today. So Tim, thank you so much for joining me. This was so wonderful. Of course. My pleasure. Always. Awesome. And to all our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time. This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.